In the Old Testament, there's a man named Mephibosheth. He was paralyzed at the ankles due to an injury as a child, so he could not walk. He was crippled. But what we discover even more so is he was running. You see, Mephibosheth had a famous father. He was a king, and and his dad, therefore, was a prince, second in line behind the king, which meant that Mephibosheth was somewhere in that line as well. But unfortunately, his dad and his grandfather both died in battle, which meant Mephibosheth was up. Problem is, is another king came in and took over. And as was customary in that time, any remaining members of the previous household were to be killed. You do not need people sitting around who are contending for the throne. Many of you have heard of King David. He's a central figure in Scripture. He's the new king who took over. He fought his enemies near and wide and was bringing peace to the land. It was about that time, as he was restoring peace to Israel, that he was reminded of a promise that he had made. You see, Mephibosheth's father, his name was Jonathan. And Jonathan was King David's best friend when they were growing up. Extraordinarily close. But unfortunately, there came a time as David was doing life in the court of King Saul that King Saul came to hate David, wanted him dead. But because of their love and their friendship for one another, Jonathan hid David away, eventually sending him off to flee, to run on his own, to go into hiding. But before he did that, he made a promise and swore David to make a promise to him. They made a covenant together before they were to go. We see that covenant in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Jonathan talking to David, he says, Show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. But here's the most important part. Don't miss this. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. And so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. Now that time had come. David was king. He was restoring rule and reign. Peace was beginning to settle on Israel. At that time, he remembers that promise, that covenant that he'd made with Jonathan. and, And in doing so, began to ask questions. We see that in 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, questions he begins to ask is, David says, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And somewhere, somehow, somebody said, well, the, the, the chief servant, the steward of Saul's house, he's still alive somewhere out there. And so David, of course, sent for him. And when he brought that servant in, began to ask questions, is there anyone remaining, anyone left? That servant then informed him of something he didn't know. Yes, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, he lives. He's hiding. So what does David do? He says, go get him. 
But can you imagine Mephibosheth? For years you've been running, hiding, fear, anxiety. It's like anyone who's committed a crime and you're running, you're always kind of looking behind your back. You know what I mean? Always looking around the corner. When am I going to get caught? When is the boom going to lower? When will I be found guilty? That's Mephibosheth's life, so you can only imagine then when suddenly, Mephibosheth, king wants to see you. No more hiding. No more running. The jig is up. It is time to face the king. And it says in 2 Samuel 9, 6, that when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Paul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. You are in the presence of the king. How will you respond? Your life is in his hands. You bring nothing. You have nothing he needs. There is a death sentence out for you. And can you imagine how awkward it is? Remember, he's crippled. He can't walk. He has to shift his body, move his body in such a way that he goes face down, prostrate in front of the king. It had to just be odd, weird, strange in the moment. For Mephibosheth, it was vulnerable. There's nothing he could do to defend himself. He'd been caught. He's now in the king's presence. Let's, let's face it, it's hopeless. And suddenly, out of that hopelessness, what do we get? A voice crying out, Mephibosheth! Mephibosheth! And imagine the surprise. The king knows my name. The king knows who I am. And he's calling out to me. But, you know, what do you do? What do you say in a moment like that? The king's calling out. You're on display. You're guilty. He simply answers, at your service. In other words, here I am, Lord. What else can we say when standing before the king? And let's face it now, reality has to settle in. It's time. The king brought me here for a reason. He's going to lower the boom. It's payback time. What's my punishment? What's going to be, Lord? What's my destiny? suddenly a surprise. In the midst of all of that heartache, pain, from the running, the hiding, suddenly in verse 7, he says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. 
can only imagine Mephibosheth had to be going, what's going on? What, what just happened? What in the world? I mean, imagine your emotions. You've been running. You've been hiding. You've been scared for years. You're a marked man. Now you're in the king's presence, and instead of punishment, he shows you grace. Instead of anger, you get mercy. My fear, my, my dear Mephibosheth, I want to show you kindness. Go back. I want to show you kindness. I will restore your inheritance. Come eat at my table. Do you see that? I want to show you kindness. I will restore your inheritance. Come eat at my table. And of course, we're reminded that another king would be sitting at a table many years later with his disciples sitting around him, and he would make a covenant promise as well. He would say, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And if you haven't figured this out yet, Mephibosheth, he's me. And he's you. And he's you. And you. We are Mephibosheth. Broken, hurting, lost. The penalty for sin is death. We all come to the king with absolutely nothing. And all we can give is our honor and praise. But for every single one of us, at some point we're crippled to our past. We're running from our hurts and our pains and we're hiding from the shame and guilt and failure in our lives. We all come broken to the king. And all we have to say is, here I am, Lord. Here I am. But can I give you some good news? The king, he knows your name. He knows who you are. You've not been forgotten. You've not been put aside. You've not been abandoned. Not a single one of you. The king is calling out your name. Calling to you. The question is, when summoned to the king, what will your reaction be? Your posture? Will you accept his invitation to the table? Jesus' invitation was simple and clear. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The final practice here in the Jesus way that we've been studying the last few weeks in the way of Christ is fellowship. 
at its core, fellowship is an invitation to the table to be a part of a community, to remind you that you have not been forgotten, that the king remembers your name, that you are loved, to be a part of a group of people who all come to the table the same way, broken, hurting, and lost. To be reminded that you're not meant to do life alone. Come dine at the king's table. Come eat with the king's family. But maybe you have doubts. Maybe insecurities. We all do. Even Mephibosheth did. And it says in in verse 8, he says, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Maybe you feel that way too. You don't know what I've done, Pastor Jason. You don't know what I've said, how I've hurt people. I don't. I don't. I'm nothing. I'm worthless. There's no way this king can show me mercy. But I need you to know this. This invitation to the table... It's for everyone. Everybody is invited to the table to step into his promises, to embrace the gift of grace freely, and to rest in his love. Listen, regardless of who you are, where you've been, what you've done, God's grace is bigger than any problem you can have. And his invitation remains, come, I will show you kindness. I will restore your inheritance. You can eat forever at my table with me. Come. Nick, come on up, bud. And I love how this story ends. 2 Samuel 9, 11, it says, So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, just like one of the king's sons. Listen, I don't know how you came here today. I don't know what's on your heart. I don't know what you've been going through. But dear child, in a moment we'll be breaking bread together and drinking a a promise of the forgiveness of sins to be reminded that this table where Jesus was sitting with his disciples, the king, all are invited to the table. It is a table of kindness with the intent for all of us to be made new in Christ and to receive your inheritance as children of God. Jesus made the way. And and you say, well, I come to the table with nothing. Great, you have everything you need. Because the price has already been paid and the gift is given freely.
My dear friend, this table, as you sit together and talk, is a place of fellowship where we share a common bond of Jesus Christ. And the most important thing you need to know, there's room for one more. When you come into the king's presence, what will your posture be?